if there's one thing that strikes fear into the hearts of many women that they never talk about, it's the heart-stopping, sweat-inducing worry of ever having a vagina that smells bad. And look, I have to say it, literally all vaginas have a scent. They've got their own little ecosystem down there, right? And it's cooking away. But sometimes things aren't as they should be and it can get whiffy. We tracked down an expert who could unashamedly peel down the mystery around the smells that emanate from our bodies, whether it be a delicate, light, pleasant musk or a full-blown fishy vag. Professor Deborah Bateson is from the Faculty of Medicine and Health at the University of Sydney, and I had a DNM with her for the Ladies We Need to Talk episode about pongy vaginas. <laughs> I started by asking her the main reason why our vaginas might smell funky. The key thing is that your vagina does have a normal smell. <laughs> so, you know, it's working out when it when it's different. A smelly vagina, pleasant smell, you know, that smell we're familiar with mm. is actually the sign of a healthy vagina. And it's caused by a mixture of there's a, a natural vaginal discharge that's fluid from the vaginal walls, some cervical mucus, but the key component is this healthy, what we call microbiome, these healthy mix of, of healthy uh, bacteria in the vagina. And when those change, if there's an imbalance in that bacterial flora, we call it, mm. then that's when you can get that change of smell. And it can indicate, of course, that there's something, you know, there's an infection, something's wrong as well. Yeah, sure. Okay. And do different smells mean different? different things? Look, they can do. I mean, look, I, sometimes I, I talk to women about, you know, they keep an app for their menstrual cycle. We really don't want people to be documenting their their, their odours all the time because that's a bit intense. But, but certainly you might well notice a change. Well, certainly there's a change over what we call the reproductive life cycle. So, you know, the pleasant odour, that odour is going to be different. Say, you know, if you're pregnant, for instance, or after menopause, there's a change with the change of, of hormones over the reproductive cycle. But there may also be a change over the course of, of the menstrual cycle as well. And certainly you might notice a different uh, odour, of course, at the time of menstruation. That's, that's from, the, from the blood that's, you know, that, that's there in the vagina. But there, yes, there are those changes. There's a lot we don't know, but we are finding out more and more about this vaginal microbiome and that, that mix of bacteria that influences the, the odour. And it's a bit like saying vaginal discharge. A vaginal discharge is a healthy thing. Mm. You know that you know, it's keeping the vagina healthy and clean and warding off infections. So yeah. it's about understanding that. So when you describe vaginal microbiome, yeah. it's just the vaginal tube, nothing to do with what's beyond it past the cervix? That's right. This is to do with the vagina. Now, up above the cervix, there's the uterus. And mm. in fact, we're finding out a bit more now about the uterine environment. But here we're talking about the vagina. And and just to say, when we're talking about odours, sometimes you can mix it up as well with, with sweat because, so the vagina doesn't sweat. There's no, no sweat glands in the vagina. But the skin of the vulva, the hair-bearing skin, I suppose, that, that, that you know, there's sweat glands there. And certainly, you know, if you've been running or, you know, city to surf or whatever and, and you know, wearing tight lycra and, and we know that, you know, that can create that sort of sweatiness and, and that can obviously also add to the, the odour from, you know, I hate to use that term down there and we should always use the proper body parts. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, that, you know, obviously keeping things clean on the outside is really important. But it's also just remembering that, yes, the vagina doesn't sweat, it cleans itself 
often you don't need to clean the inside of, of the vagina. Yeah, well, I wanted to talk about that. How does the vagina clean itself? Yeah, so it is this, you know, it's 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 wonderful. There's this wonderful microbiome. I mean, it manages this healthy mix of, of bacteria, which will have subtle changes throughout the, you know, the menstrual cycle. Uh, but it is your body's own regulation. It's keeping things in check with this, uh, what we what we know is a healthy microbiome is a microbiome that's got uh, plenty of these what we call lactobacilli and they have a keep the vagina at a slightly acidic pH uh, and there's lots of different types again we're learning a lot more there's lots of different types of lactobacilli and some are healthier than others some may actually predispose towards towards infection so it is just just that that self-regulation and the body regulates itself in lots of different ways of course mm. and it's about having that trust in your body yeah. you don't need you know in fact you certainly don't need vaginal deodorants because in fact or you know to to get your vagina to smell of you know rose petals or cucumbers or whatever because that actually potentially is going to do more harm well it's certainly not going to do any good and it may do harm by disrupting that that microbiome mm. and then you get replacement with unhealthy bacteria and sometimes that can even you know it can also lead to a condition called bacterial vaginosis which is a what we call a dysbiosis where you've got these unhealthy bacteria so it's it's just understanding that it does keep itself clean with this this self-regulation as soon as you add something in then that can disrupt it and of course adding something into the vagina can also mean things like like sex for instance <laughs> so semen you know is a bit alkaline as well so that can that's going to impact on on the um, on the vagina but generally it's going to self-regulate right right so professor in your years of practice have you noticed a rise in odor control products for vaginas oh absolutely mm. uh, so i think it's a rise in odor control products and at the same time I think, and it's hard to know which comes first, but that can also create anxiety. So certainly an increase in anxiety amongst women, I mean, often young women, but sometimes, you know, older women as well, where maybe a throwaway comment from a partner or, you know, just this this feeling that, and it can be debilitating that, you know, everyone can smell my, my vagina, you know, on oh public God. transport, or I can't go into a new relationship because I know that, you know, that this other person may, may know this smell and wow. it can be so dis- debilitating and you know, sometimes it's caught up with with vaginal discharge as well but just that feeling and it is around this health literacy I think we can do much more with young women in you know in schools it's not all just about preventing sexually transmitted infections and contraception just understanding your body and that it does have this normal what we call physiological smell and I'd extend that to young men as well who you know sometimes maybe they are intentionally being uh, saying something cruel but sometimes I think it's just a throw as I say a throwaway line which can be so debilitating mm. so that health literacy is all important so why do you think women are becoming more self-conscious about their smells? I think partly we could say it's a good thing because now women are saying, look, I want to know about my body. So I suppose the other thing to say, Yume, is it's, it's great that, that women are feeling that they can ask their doctor about about an odour which perhaps would have been just too difficult to talk about before. Uh, so, But I also do think we must be aware to the tyranny of the pharmaceutical industry when it comes to selling products for, around women's health. And a lot of those, you know, people are spending a lot of money on on products where you know probiotics included there is some 
interesting research, and I'm sure we're going to get there with probiotics that do work. There's some great, great uh, research going on in the US and here. Mm. Uh, but at the moment, there's a lot of products on the shelf. You know, they're probably not going to do too much harm, but some some might. So I think you need to be aware of that. Okay. Let's say that you don't have a health condition that's causing a strong odour in your vagina, but you have a really strong odour anyway, to the point where you are self-conscious about it. So I'm not talking about your daily, like, everything's okay, but just, just like a bit of a punch in the face kind of vibe. Is there something that women can do to help themselves in that situation? Look, I think if there's something that's so different, that's a bit of a punch in the face, that that and it doesn't disappear. I mean, mm. I give it a you know, see what happens over the course of the day or the next day, and, and you know, check out that there's nothing else going on that you haven't got some abnormal bleeding from the vagina or you haven't got a a new abnormal discharge. I, I do think it's worth going to you to a, a women's health clinic, you know, a family planning clinic, for instance, or someone who is an expert in this area, mm. because you know. We've we've seen and smelt you know, many many vaginas you yeah, know in, yeah. in many years and and really if we make that assessment that everything is fine that can be incredibly reassuring. Mm. Um, I do think you know there is that that sort of thought of going to the chemist and looking at you know what you can what you can buy to to mask the smell, and that's where you can fall fall into into danger and that, and having a sort of vicious cycle really. So I do think that if something, but but give it a bit of time. It may just be you know something again. We all know of course our smell can be more acute at certain times and and uh, you know I think it's it is though about understanding your body, and what we really don't want is for people to suffer in silence mm. or feeling really really anxious that there's something something wrong and that no one's been able to find out what that is. So in your clinical work, can you tell when someone's odour is like really off? Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's a, it, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, if someone comes in with a, a you know, saying they've got a discharge or an odour, then we would obviously do an examination uh, and we can tell, we can look at the amount of the, of the discharge and the colour of the discharge. And you can actually, again, the key um, condition I suppose we're looking out for if someone talks about an off vaginal odour is this condition, bacterial vaginosis. It's got a very characteristic smell. Mm. In the old days, we don't do it so much anymore. We used to do something called a whiff test <laughs> where we'd have a bit of potassium hydroxide and mix it with the vaginal discharge and it would it would have a very characteristic uh, really odor and we'd say yes that's bacterial vaginosis <laughs> what causes bacterial vaginosis well it is so that is caused by an imbalance of those, so a replacement of those healthy lactobacilli by other types of bacteria so it shifts the the ph of that of the vaginal uh, fluid the vaginal microbiome environment from slightly acidic to alkaline and it can cause a, a, a watery, greyish green discharge, oh. uh, a very characteristic fishy smell. So that's mm. how people describe it. Uh, and it, it shouldn't be causing an itch or anything like that. And candida, you know, thrush generally doesn't have a, a strong odour. It certainly doesn't have an off odour. It can have that sort of yeasty odour. Yeah. Uh, but it, the two are very different. Uh, but neither causes an itch. Oh, thrush. Candida causes an itch. Yeah, okay. But bacterial vaginosis, it doesn't generally cause, well, it doesn't cause, cause an itch, but it does cause this 
smelly discharge, which can be very distressing. But the key thing to know is that for both of those, but including bacterial vaginosis, there is treatment, so a course of antibiotics and that your doctor could easily prescribe. There is a lot of work going on in this because we do know that around half of people will get the bacterial vaginosis back again. So there's some trials as well to look at whether treating a partner uh, may be useful. Ah. <laughs> and how much does underwear and like overly tight lycra have to do with getting infections and getting... Yeah. Yes, that's so underwear, sort of not cotton underwear and, and tight, you know, lycra and sweating and all of those things, that that creates a perfect environment, that sort of dark, moist environment for, for yeast, mm. so for candida. Uh, and again, it's it's the impact on the on the microbiome, but it's really there's a lot of yeast just hanging around anyway, and you just get an overgrowth of that yeast. Mm. Uh, less so for bacterial vaginosis, but again, you know, you're just wanting that good vaginal and vulval health healthcare and you know again avoiding sort of washing with with perfume soaps and not wearing underwear at night keeping the air flowing around mm. around the vulva is really important why do you think there's such a taboo around women's smells Oh, look, it, it's interesting, isn't it? I think there's a taboo around around anything to do with women's uh, genitals, their vagina. We've, I think we can say vagina easily now on, on, the, on the television news, but vulva is still a taboo word. I think that people feel very anxious around that, not quite sure what it is and what the difference is. Uh, and, and vaginal odour, I think it's, it's, it is part of control of women. Uh, I think it's stigmatising, it's keeping you know, women's sexuality locked away uh, and I think it's it's really part of you know women where well traditionally you know historically uh, that place of women in the world and luckily we're breaking that down now mm. and so we need to we need to celebrate mm. <laughs> and recognize that this is a, a normal part of life yeah because if your sexuality is right here but very adjacent is the terror of being stinky yes and therefore shamed yes. it's really hard to relax into the sexuality part I think that's right and and I you know that anxiety I mean I've Occasionally, I've actually had couples where the you know the, the woman has brought in maybe a female partner or a male partner in as well, so we could just discuss it and just you know just again normalise things between people and and just an understanding of this is a normal part of life. The the experiences I've had, the smell is mostly the sweat glands on the outer areas of the vulva. Yeah. Like, and yeah. some people have a lot of sweat glands there, and some people have not many. Is that right? Yes, and that can that can vary. And again, sometimes people can get uh, it, it can vary by you know genetics really, or it's just your body. So and again, you know that can be also associated with more sweat from the from the armpits, for instance. And so it's just understanding your body, keeping that outside, that outside part clean. And mm. and again, if you're really bothered by it, uh, then you know again it's useful to go and see see your doctor about it. But keeping that in control, and it is, it can be difficult to distinguish. But I've certainly had a few few young women who've brought in their underwear because they're just terribly worried about the the smell and and sometimes staining on the, on oh, their yeah. underwear uh, that they worry is associated with something that's you know that's wrong. Where and is, is, there, that, is there ever anything? wrong? Well, some, sometimes there can be things wrong. So, mm. so again, occasionally, I mean, this is a, a foul-smelling odour over the course of, well, many doctors' lives, we will have seen women where they've actually forgotten that they've had a tampon inside and, and uh, that tampon has stayed there for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes another tampon's been put in on top sure. of the first one and that, that can cause a profuse, horrible discharge. Uh, and women can feel really anxious that, you know, they've got something terribly wrong. So, 
but in fact, it's just a matter of, of removing removing that tampon. So and just in, remembering. In that case, Professor, is it hard to get the tampon out? Oh, look, it can. I mean, it, it, look, I've always been able to get one out, but it, it can be a delicate <laughs> process. <laughs> so how can we embrace the smell of our vaginas more and just surrender to the fact that it will have an odour? I think it's it's talking about it like this. And look, I, I really don't want to promote necessarily Gwyneth Paltrow's, you know, candle that smells like a vagina. But it's great that people are talking about it at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so it does break down that that taboo. So I think it really, I think what we really need to do is start, start at school, in fact. So I think it really is around uh, age appropriate sex education which is understanding our bodies uh, across the all genders as well, sort mm-hmm. of understanding what the female body is like, what the male body is like, and that, that vaginal discharge is a normal thing. Can you tell us about the impact menopause has on the odour in yeah. your vagina? Yeah, so certainly, again, the odour will change and you might notice a change. Your partner might notice a change after menopause because what happens after menopause is you get that decrease in, in oestrogen and that will have an impact uh, on the on the vaginal micro, microbiota, as we call it. Uh, so certainly after menopause, you know, the vaginal uh, secretions get less, uh, the vaginal skin gets thinner and we can have this, what we call, I hate the term actually, but vaginal atrophy, mm. which can cause you know, painful sex. It can be really, really uncomfortable. But that will also have an impact, you know, that, that lack of oestrogen. Uh, I've, I've seen a quote where it says, oh, the, the, you know, the vagina may, may have more of a male odour. I'm not sure, you know, you haven't got testosterone there, but it's, uh, it, 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 it will certainly change. Okay. Does taking antibiotics wreck your vaginal microbiome? Yeah, so it can certainly impact on your vaginal microbiome as it can on your gut microbiome. So certainly if uh, it can be a bit of a catch-22 sometimes because we can give uh, women a course of antibiotics for their bacterial vaginosis, but then that can have an impact on increasing um, the, the chance of them getting thrush. <laughs> so, you oh, can have, so it's a bit challenging. Thanks. We can, sorry about that. <laughs> we can usually get that balance right, of course. Yeah, sure. Uh, but certainly, yes, if you've had a course of antibiotics for you know any sort of infection, a skin infection that can absolutely impact on on uh, the microbiome, and it's likely that you know it's, it's thrush can can come about as a result of that. And and sometimes we know that um, contraceptive hormones, as well as contraceptives, the IUD, for instance, copper IUDs, they can be in association with that disruption to the microbiome okay. and even to bacterial vaginosis. So again, if you've you know, you're using an IUD and you notice most people, you know, it's, it's fine. You know, vast majority, absolutely fine. Mm. Uh, but if it's causing any trouble, you know, do go along and, and see someone about that. But certainly that's, you know, there's many reasons not to over overuse antibiotics yeah. and, and the world has woken up to, you know, the fact that if we use too many, then we might get resistance. But they can also have this other impact as well. Bacterial vaginosis is one of the primary causes of a stinky vagina. Yes, how do we avoid getting that? Yeah, so I think the main thing is around keeping your vagina vulva as healthy as possible. So, you know, we mentioned before about the tight lycra and wearing cotton underwear and not wearing underwear to bed, all of those things, not 
using deodorants, uh, just you know, just having good good hygiene. Mm. I, I, some people would, say, you know, again, some people would suggest, oh look, you know, give it a go. Um, I've had couples where, you know, in long term relationships, they've given it a go using condoms because they felt that, you know, this bacterial vaginosis kept coming back even though they'd had treatment from him. From him, and that mm. sometimes will work. There is a trial at Melbourne Sexual Health Centre, as I've mentioned now. Uh, we don't have the results yet, but possibly things are looking promising around treating male partners. We're about to, there's a trial around treating female partners as well. We know that women who have sex with women have a have a higher chance of bacterial vaginosis. So again, we're unlocking <laughs> unlocking all this information. Uh, so it is around just if you're using sex toys, make sure that you you know you're cleaning them appropriately. So okay. it's that basic common sense. But, you know, again, we do have to say, even for people that do all those things, you know, have the best, you know, best approach to keeping things healthy, sometimes bacterial vaginosis can can still occur and not to feel, you know, any shame or that you've done something wrong. Uh, just know that this, this can happen and, and it can be treated. Yeah, sure. Can you explain, Professor, how intercourse can wreak havoc on your vagina? Yeah, so intercourse can sometimes wreak havoc. Um, because sperm is slightly al- is alkaline, so again, you can imagine you've got that mix of the of the sperm in that that ecosystem, mm. which is slightly acidic, and it can uh, impact on on the microbiome and, and tip it to to having the more unhealthy bacteria. Generally, it's going to be very transient, and okay. you know, it's the, as I say, the, the vagina is, is very self regulating, <laughs> so you know, generally, it's not going to cause a problem. But for some mm. women, they may find that it does. There's, again, there's a lot we don't know. You know, the, the quality, of, the the um, alkalinity of sperm is going to vary from person, you know, person to person, mm-hmm. and, and you know, potentially with you know, there's all sorts of factors that will impact on on that quality as well. But certainly, if you notice, you know, that you are finding uh, that you know there is that change, or you're developing that really strong odor that's unpleasant, then then again, just do go along to your doctor. What are the three main takeaways for vaginal health that we should be incorporating into our lives? I think the main takeaways are, number one, that vaginal discharge, vaginal odour is normal and physiological and healthy and indicates that you're healthy. I think the second one is to to know how to keep the vagina and the vulva as healthy as possible. So follow those, you know, common sense approaches around your underwear, avoid not, not cleaning inside the, the vagina, mm-hmm. uh, understanding your body. So I think understand when to seek help when it's not normal. And the third is just all of us, you know, have that responsibility really for the younger generations as well to break down these taboos and make sure that we do talk about it in a respectful way. I mean, you know, there probably is a time and a place to talk about vaginal odour. But that uh, what we do <laughs> doesn't need to be the very dinner conversation. But I do think it is just you know just taking away that shame and that and that stigma. Uh, and I think you know having programs like this, Yumi, is is my third takeaway. That was Professor Deborah Bateson from the Faculty of Medicine and Health at the University of Sydney speaking to me for the Ladies We Need to Talk episode on smelly vaginas. You can catch the full episode right here in the ABC Listen app. <laughs> <laughs> 